The Sunday Major is back to the USA. America's Card Room is kicking off 2018 with a Texas Hold'em-sized bang that could change your life. Beginning January 7th, America's Card Room is hosting the biggest Sunday Major on the planet with $1,001,000 on the table every week. Yes, $1,001,000 guaranteed. Forget about just one time to change your life. The $1,001,000 guaranteed tournament is happening weekly, all for just $265 a pop. For all the info, check out americascardroom.eu. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 161 on the OneOuter.com podcast sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the ads or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are available on oneouter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for the show, then please email questions at oneouter.com or tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, this is a Wednesday, not a Thursday. And as we've mentioned before, when this is the only scheduled thing I've got a week, it always throws me um, that we, <laughs> when we do it on a different day. So great to have you here nonetheless. Um, what have you been up to? How's the week been? And what's the weather like? Cause I've, I've been seeing on the news that the East Coast has been minus ridiculous temperatures. So what's happening? It's pretty brutal, uh, the temperature out here. But, oh, by the way, guys, thank you for having me. I know this is technically my show, but there's also no reason... There's no necessity for you to be playing me in your car or on your headphones or in any capacity. So I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to anything Barry and I have to say. Uh, as for the temperature, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty effing cold here. Uh, people walk down the streets with uh, those face masks. And I, the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, it's not that cold. And then I was outside for... 20 minutes, and I thought, oh, yeah, it's that cold. There, uh, a friend of mine uh, was moving some things from Manhattan to Queens over the weekend, and I went and said, okay, I'll go ahead and help you move. And when I came, I was outside for maybe 10, 15 minutes carrying some things, mm -hmm. and by the end of that, I, I my hands uh, were just frozen, no feeling anything. It was a very short trip. It was mostly me holding on to some heavy things on the subway, but walking for 10-15 minutes was pretty, uh, I don't want to say unbearable, but I was very grateful that I was the one doing it and not the lady I was helping because that would have been really, that, that, <laughs> I think it would have been very tough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's been cold. Uh, as far as what I've been up to, um, I went to a hockey game on Sunday. That was really nice. Uh, got to see Brooklyn, uh, a part of Brooklyn I hadn't been to. You know, the great thing about New York is it's every – to be in New York is to be in the whole world. We went into this Japanese restaurant, and there was low lighting, j jazz music playing, and uh, there was uh, all these – uh, Japanese expats talking around the bar, and it really f reminded me of being back in Asia. So that, that was nice, and it was also the best salmon I'd ever had. 
uh, other than that, been watching a lot of football, a lot of watch the college football playoffs, watch uh, watch the NFL playoffs, and I've been working on projects, and I've been having a lot of fun with it, Barry. I'm just really into self-publishing right now. I really feel like that's what I should be doing with my life is I, I want to be... I, I don't know what the correct words would be. I guess what I'm truly thinking, which is kind of pompous, is I'd like to be the first, the most prolific uh, self-published artist. That's that's what I would like to do. I want to do this the rest of my life, just create things, because it's so fun. I, I just love it. And if I could be great at it, I, I would want to be great at it, but I I I, I want to be great at it. But what I really want is just what I've been doing lately, which is staying up late at night, working on a project, uh, just enjoying listening to music, watching football while I do it, uh, just studying the craft, uh, working on the PowerPoints for poker. Poker is kind of my way in because I, I think I'm really uniquely <coughs> I'm uniquely qualified to make the poker content because... Poker is a game of people, and there is no one who has interviewed more people than I have when it comes to poker, because I've worked with thousands of students, and now I know what people from Belarus think of the game, what people from China think of the game, what people from Senegal think from the game, what trends are popular in what countries, and I've done so much research into what plays work where, and that's not to say I'm the best player or anything like that. In fact, I think I'm actually fairly average when it comes to poker. That's not exactly where my strengths lie, but I, I, I do have so much experience in it, and it's really fun to put pen to paper and put these things together and to learn new teaching techniques and to be able to engage an audience and be able to sell and to make a living off of my art. I, I feel like I'm the most blessed person on earth because when I was younger I wanted to create for a living and I, I just I didn't know how that was going to happen because you had to go find a publisher you had to write things that the publisher thought the public wanted you couldn't write what you wanted but now it's just me and the customer and making what the customer wants and adding to it and I sometimes I don't even do it for pay I, I've been working on this video I'll, I'll have you guys put on the link I did another one of my in my series for YouTube master poker uh, I called it Out of Position Punch-Out, and I made 8-bit art. Uh, so it looks like a Nintendo game, the thumbnail, <laughs> which I thought was really fun. And, uh, yeah, like, I'm not getting paid for that, but I, I made, like, a 20-minute training video, and I did PowerPoint slides and hand history reviews. I made the hand histories myself. I did all the analysis. I wrote the script, and I didn't do that for any money. Like, I, I do have to link to something at the end that makes me money otherwise there's I'm going to be broke pretty quickly but mm -hmm. I'm just really enjoying that I'm I'm having the time of my life working late doing that and the the other thing is I finally accepted I used to always go why why am I not reading more books why am I not playing video games why am I not enjoying my life why am I not doing these things that other people are doing and the truth is, I'm enjoying my life when I'm working. There's, a, there's some people that, God bless their souls, they just they do get a lot of enjoyment out of certain things. I can't sit around and play video games all day. I just can't do it. I can't sit there and watch a basketball game and do nothing else. 
I like sports because you barely have to pay attention to them. You just leave them on in the background, kind of pay attention to them while you're working on something else, and then in the last three minutes, okay, all right, I'll, I'll pay attention to this. Uh, but I finally just accept it. I'm not that person, and if I don't feel good going to bed at midnight, I'm going to work till 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work as much as I want, and I don't really care what anyone thinks anymore because this is what I want for my life and just the process of going after it I feel excited I feel invigorated I feel alive and it's it's been it reminds me almost of when I started in poker when I was uh, 18 and I was in this garbage apartment in Seattle but that place was my galaxy because it was the beginning of something great and eventually I came to learn in poker there's not you, there's a volume cap. You have to put in a ton of volume in order to see the results. And at some point, I just realized it was going to be very difficult for me to have any kind of life and to play poker uh, it, to the degree I thought you needed to be really successful with my level of skill. I, I just wasn't a savant. But now I feel like everything's on my terms. I get to play poker as much as I want. I get to do something that's uniquely me. I get to create. And I'm, I'm very excited by that. So, sorry, guys. I always go off on Jags because I think too much, and it's nice to get it out of my system. But, yeah, things are good here. I love it, Barry. Yeah, I think me and Alex were talking before we uh, came on, and we were on about social media. And I the way we jump through topics and stuff and tangents is the way my brain works and I think Alex as well. So I can't even remember what the actual content was, but the point was um, I don't really use social media in the sense that I really cut a lot of people from Facebook. I had something like, I think it was 700 people on it who were, I did know I'd at least met in person like most of them and, you know, old friends from school, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And I made a conscious decision a few years ago to just delete people mm-hmm. to close friends and family or someone, uh, you know, that you don't have. They're in another country and it's a handy way to message, etc. And I trimmed it right down to, I think there's like less than 100 people on it now. And mm, so, so I, don't, I don't use Facebook in the sense that I'm on messaging friends, you know, all the time and this and that. And I don't... I very rarely post stuff apart from on the one outer pages and I use some of the other groups for other business stuff that I do and it's, it is handy for that and that is the only reason that I don't do the full delete the whole of Facebook because yeah I understand mm-hmm. it's a good tool and this and that but you've got WhatsApp now you've got iMessage which is free right. you know, and text's basically free now on every I don't know anybody that pays for text messages these days and you know, one, one second, Barry, just so I can connect these two topics for the listeners at home, because I think we missed the transition. Barry and I were talking about staying off of social media and doing things you really love. So yeah. when I was doing my jag about things I love, Barry thought about that. But uh, sorry, Barry, that was distracting me. I thought people at home would be going out. How did these two connect? <laughs> did these two <laughs> topics connect? So, yeah. yeah, staying off of social media to do the things you love. Go. Yeah. Your, your turn now. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it was sort of like the whole thing is I'm just sort of setting up in the sense that I'm not really on social. You know, I don't post regularly. I don't do this. I don't do that. I have a Twitter account that I really only tweet 
you know, when new podcasts are out or I'll retweet some stuff that I see, mm-hmm. etc. Anyway, you still have these accounts. So when you're on them, before you know it, it can be 20 minutes or 30 minutes gone. Mm-hmm. And I'm not immune, even though I'm aware of social media and the problems it can cause, etc. I'm not immune to going on to Facebook. And what do you do? It's, you're set up to your thumb to scroll. And, and you might see something that someone's posted in a group and for me it's about, you know, toys or, you know, collectibles, antiques or something. Or there's a bit of drama in some other group about nothing. And I don't get but then I look and I, I'm good at catching myself and what annoys me is I go, why do I even care about, why am I even consuming this? Even though I'm not going to do anything and it's not going to like hang on me for the rest of the day going, oh, that guy said that to that, you know, or whatever, or you're still consuming it. It's still information that you're... And I think it just goes back to, to, again, what Alex says, to connect it all. I think it comes down to, like, no matter what you do, if you have these accounts and you're on, you there are periods where you're going to be consuming just, like, information overload. And mm-hmm. your brain is just taking in and that. And you're not... It's not really constructive. You know, even though you're in these constructive... It's just too much. You're taking on too much. You're taking mm-hmm. in too much information. And I think it comes down to, again, I, I've been saying this a lot recently, it's like, and Alex, you mentioned it um, in one of your newsletters a few weeks ago, I think, maybe even longer than that, but mm-hmm. it's, it's like talk is cheap, you know, it's like you can say this and that, it's actions, and I actually flipped the whole thing and said to myself, you know, sometimes when we sort of say, oh, you feel like you're not doing enough, even though you're putting a lot of hours in, you're working through the night on stuff sometimes, or you know, you're really trying to, you're, you're at least swinging sort of thing, to use the analogy you use, you know, you're trying these things, even if it takes you a year to finish a project, you've still mm-hmm. done more than a guy that's done nothing and never attempted anything or whatever. So the the thing is, it kind of relaxed me in a way, because I was like, if this is the so-called, like, you know, competition, if you look at it like you're competing with other people in business or poker or whatever, if the competition are on Facebook constantly, Twitter constantly, Instagram, whatever else, Snapchat, all these things, and that is all they're doing, and they're talking about, um, you know, football results, and arguing with people, strangers on these posts, and, you know, mm-hmm. Twitter, and whatever, really you got nothing to worry about, because they're going to get nothing done, and they're never going to really achieve anything from skill, or, or hard work, I would, you know, because they're just, you, like you say, there's only so many hours in the day and they are just doing that and then everyone's got to sleep, everyone's got to eat and do something else. Some of them will be working as well. I mean, we're fortunate enough that it's our own hours, which is, you know, can yep. be a great thing and can be a curse sometimes as well. But if the majority of society is just in this social media bubble, whatever platform it is, um, people that are actually going out and doing anything, you you've got such a like almost a head start or like a free shot at it because nobody else is going and doing it. They're they're just everyone's a critic now and just watching and commenting and you know, yeah. oh this is terrible, that's terrible. It's like yeah, well what have you done? What have you done? What book or podcast exactly. or product have you done? Or you know, it's it's crazy to me. So, but again, what I don't like is I am still susceptible to go on Facebook and maybe waste half an hour or forty minutes or. In fact, I'd probably, I'd probably be frightening what you waste on a monthly basis on social media. It would be, you know, scary. And um, I get that. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Go, cool, go. Cool. I, I get. 
I started keeping a ledger of what time I spent on what activity, and it started making me conscious because at the beginning I would spend 30 minutes on Facebook, 15 minutes on Facebook. And then eventually I just, by writing it down, I stopped doing it because I got sick of writing it down. And once you cut it out of your life, it doesn't really exist. It's it's gone, and you never miss it. No, it, it's it's like an addiction. It's like smoking cigarettes. Once you get rid of it, it's gone. You don't. You, once you get past the addictive phase, it's a, it, it's gone. Like I, by the time I got done doing my tracking, I would spend fifteen minutes a day on social media, which I think is fine. It was essentially I checked my tweets, I posted a few things on Facebook I wanted to remember. In the coming years, I checked a few of my other friends' posts, and that was about it. And once I got done with it, I got done with it. And then a couple years ago, you do have to make a conscious decision, though. A couple years ago, I made the decision, no more forums. I would never post in a forum again, yeah. right? That, that was it. I do post in the Tournament Poker Edge forums, but that's because most people are just asking strategy questions. And I don't post in forums, and what I find is people talk about me a lot more in forums now because I'm doing so much aside from being in forums. So if I wanted to spend all day in forums defending myself, I could do so. Or reading the, There's two types of posts that I see. When I have to Google something that I posted and then I see it come up in some other forum, there's two posts I see. One Alex wrote the greatest poker book I've ever read, and nothing will ever compare to this. That is complete BS. I wrote that book very negatively. I was going through a divorce. There's problems with the book I wish I could address. And then there's also, it's a terrible book. Every, you know, it's, he's saying the same damn things. I guess it's all right. Nothing new, which is complete BS. There's a lot of stuff in that book I had never read in another poker book. And if you used it, like all of my students do, you would get real results. So the thing does have value. So what this means is everything that I read is wrong. Every single thing that I put out there is wrong. There's very few real valuable opinions. And we have to think about what social media has taught us about human nature. People always complain. Why is Donald Trump president? I can't believe Donald Trump is president. I always want to say you created the culture that made Donald Trump president. Why do you think social media is all people fighting? Why do you think the news is nothing but people fighting? It's because you like that. It's because you endorse that. The natural product of that is Donald Trump. Donald Trump does nothing but fight. He gives people what they want. He's a mud monster. He just comes out of it and does that. And if you look at that, that is the culture. That is what most people degrade to. And when I look at that, yes, it's like you said, I see mediocrity. I see a lot of people talking. If that's the average person, I have nothing to worry about because when I wake up, I start, I go, I keep moving forward. And most people don't have that gear. It's just not enough. You see, and it's fine if you say, well, this is my life and this is how I choose to live it. That's okay. But nobody says that. Barry, how many people do you know who really go, I'm happy with my 9 to 5. I'm, ha I'm happy with my 9 to 5. 
I don't need to lose weight. I'm okay having a few pounds. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm okay with where I'm at in my life. How many people do you know like that? No, I can't even think of one. It's a, so it's a natural desire to achieve greatness. It is apparently human nature to want to excel. And people are denying who they are. And they indulge in these things that are just junk. Uh, drinking too much. Smoking pot. I had somebody ask me in my gym the other day, uh, you know, do you like pot, Alex? And I said, I love pot because it's buried the careers of all of my co uh, colleagues, of all of my competition. I love pot. I love what pot's doing to my competition. I love what it's doing. I love watching them leave the game because they're addicted to it. I love to know I was stronger than them and I got past it. I love that. I love that. And it's a, you know, I'm sorry, but you do have to at some point become a little selfish because most people's opinions are just trash. You just, everybody's talking. People are like, oh, I didn't like that you did this in this book. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, sh show me your book. I want to read your section, mm -hmm. right? Let me read your section. I, I, if you have a good reputation, I want to know because, honestly, I'm a very slow learner in poker. And if you know something I don't, I want to know that. Mm -hmm. Can you do that? Can you produce that? And if the answer is no, I don't know what we're talking about because you have nothing. Are you going to show me an article? Just an article. Go on a blog spot. Go on a WordPress. Post something. Show me an analytic. Show me one. Show me one card runner ZV analytic. Show me one, and I will shut up. Until you do that, I don't care. What you're doing is not enough, okay? And you're not in my league. I don't listen to people like you. Just like if you work in waste management, I can't go and tell you how you should pick up my garbage cans. You can't tell me how to play cards because this is not your business, okay? All right. Now, Barry, let's talk about how much we love life. Let's yeah. talk about being no, grateful in the holiday season. I, Sorry, I, go ahead. I think another thing to pick up there is it depends whose opinion it is. If it's someone you respect and someone that's obviously demonstrated, again, it goes back to like talks cheap, you know, and action yeah. is really what it is. It's about what are people doing. Look at people's actions and what they're doing. You know, it's like we can all say, oh, I'm trying this, I'm doing that. And you're like, well, what have you done about it? And it's like nothing. Yeah, exactly. about it. Then you're not doing it. You're just talking about it. You know. So, yeah. People, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, My just, bad. Just I'm, to, I'm pissed off right now. Just I'm to go pick off. someone like if someone I, I know you respect Jonathan Little and he's a friend of yours and he's you know a, a great coach, author, player. If he came to you and said, Alex, such and such and such on your book, maybe you could try this in the next one or whatever. I know that you would take that on board. Oh and yeah. You, and you would look at it. And likewise, you know, if someone I know comes to me and says, you know, Barry, you know, you should, like, look at this and do this, always be careful who you're taking your advice from. And that's, that's why I would say the bad thing about social media is people start taking bad advice or the words of people that have not really achieved mm -hmm. anything. Like, I mean anything. And they start mm -hmm. yeah, respecting yeah. those opinions. And I'm not saying they're bad people, but I'm just saying when someone that's broke and... Um, owns their house but they don't own their house because their mortgage is like still 20 years on it and they come to me and they say like you know i rent and i hate it when they come and say oh you should really think about buying a place and i'm like i don't even get into it now but i used to be very defensive and say well sorry but you so-called own your house but you're now 55 you're still paying off a mortgage you've actually remortgaged it 
Like, you mm-hmm. don't own your house. You have a debt, you know, that's round your neck. You're not flexible and mobile. You can't then up next week and say, I'm going to wait and move here and rent in this country or this mm-hmm. other part of the UK or whatever. And it's like old advice. And, like, you know, it's coming from people that I don't think mean me um, any ill will or anything like no. that. But it's just the way that they've lived their life. They try and say, oh, you should do this or you should do that. And it's like, if you want to end up like them and have what they have at that point in their life, then listen to them, I'd say. You know, but mm. if, you, if you don't, then really take what they're saying with a pinch of salt and evaluate well, I, things. Exactly. Well, you bring up a lot of things there. First of all, one of the best, uh, it, there's this lyric by Apathy. He does. He has this song, it's one of my favorite songs of all time, it's called Pay Your Dues, uh, about just what he had to do to become a very successful artist. And he was talking about people coming into the game now, and he was talking about they want to take over the earth, but they're afraid of the dirt, and they're scared of criticism and getting their feelings hurt. If you really want to get good at something, you have to take constructive criticism. And one of the hardest things every day of my job is I show up to lessons with people I admit are way smarter than me. They've achieved much more in life. I've had two number one pocket fivers. I had another one who got to the the top five. They're much better poker players than I am, and they always will be. And I'm teaching them, and if I'm wrong, they're going to tell me exactly why. And one of the hardest parts of my day is listening to criticism that I know is right. But the only thing I care about at the end of the day is the pursuit of a greater form of myself. Not, not because I necessarily want to become great. Of course, I want that for myself. But just the general process makes me feel better than... I always felt disgusted with myself when I was on social media. I felt disgusted with myself when I was drinking. It didn't feel like me. Mm. Trying to achieve something greater than what I had before feels better. It, that kind of pain is good. There, there's, there's the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. And the pain of discipline is ounces. The pain of regret is tons. So you just got to... Part of the discipline is hearing these things. And another thing I want to talk to you about, Barry, is how negative can you go because, without losing your mind? This mm-hmm. is something I really worry because I try to be very positive and I consider myself a very positive person most of the time. Uh, the way you heard me in the introduction is how I am in my day-to-day life. That's how anybody hears me. That's, mo- that's all my lessons. That's who I am. I make it a point to smile when I go outside in the morning. I really try to smile, and I do. I thank God for everything I have. Uh, I really love that kind of stuff. But I'm getting to this point, Barry, where I was very negative when I started. It, it was just everybody in my high school told me I was a loser, uh, or they didn't even mean to do it, but it was one of those, oh, you're not going to college. Oh, you're going to be a loser the rest of your life, right? My guidance counselor telling me, well, most people who don't go to college never do anything with your life. And if you can't figure out a way to do that, it's not going to happen for you. Things, And I became very angry. And that, because being told I was worthless for nothing, when I did not decide to be from a certain home, it wasn't, it wasn't my fault that 
my father couldn't be there, that my mother struggled with drug addiction, that I had to leave home in high school, that I had to leave, I had to be working while everybody else was taking their SATs. That wasn't my fault, and I felt judged, and I did not appreciate that, so I worked eight hours at security, and then I came home and I played poker for eight to ten hours, and I slept six hours, and I did it all over again the next day, and on weekends I looked forward to it so I could work another 16 hours of that day as opposed to eight. I did that off of my hatred. I did that off of my pain. And I did that thinking of every person that had ever wronged me. And eventually it emptied me, but I'm finding it again. Because these people that discount me again and again and again, and it's never enough for them, I do develop a natural ire for them. And I can't help it because... For the longest time, it was like, oh, you're a great teacher, but you haven't done anything in a while. So I went and played some majors on America's Card Room, and I final tabled some majors. And then it was like, oh, okay, so you did a little well on America's Card Room, but you haven't done anything live in a while. So I got my ass to Prague, and I final tabled a WPT. And now six months later, I'm hearing the same crap. It's like it's never enough for these losers who have never done anything in their life. They just sit there picking at you. And now you know what? I love them because they pushed me harder. I do love them. But deep down, it's such a balance because there is a natural hatred for yeah. that kind of petty loser on the sidelines discounting everybody. And I just want to say, get in the effing ring with me. Get in the ring with me and see if you can hang with me. And you know what? If you beat me, I'm going to hug you, and I'm going to tell you good game, and I'm going to shake your hand. But until you do that, you're nothing to me. You have no right to speak to me in this fashion. You have no right. And there's a, that's one of the reasons I'm just not on forums. I just don't get in these petty wars. I don't answer to a lot of these emails where people want... Actually, people don't even send emails to me anymore where it's like they want to pick a fight. Or if they do, I just write... I never give them a long response. I go, thank you, I'm going to... Because usually, even when people make... They, they, uh, they want to criticize you. I get these manifestos about how terrible I am, Barry, sent to my email. And you know what I do? I read them for eight paragraphs and I try to find the one grain of truth. I really try to find it. And usually it's there. And then I write them, I want to thank you very much for this email because this is going to help me with something. And I never get a response back. I never get it. That's not what they wanted. Yeah. And you know, it's a, it's a delicate balancing act. How far do you think you can get, Barry? Like, how far do you get before it burns you up, or should you even walk down this path? That's what I mean, it is a balancing act, because on the wrong day where you've had other stuff in your life, and you're balancing, you know, you're trying to keep your sort of mental sanity, for want of a better word. Um, right. And then you get that. Then it can, one day it can be water off a duck's back, but nobody's immune to, like, criticism, and even from morons affecting you. And as you say, it's not in the sense that they're making you question yourself. It's in the fact that you sort of think that uh, they think that it's getting to you when it's not. It's just, it burns you out. I think that's a great way of describing it. I think it can, can burn you out. And, um, you know, I get it with the podcast sometimes. Like people message going, oh, uh, do you know this file, like, uh, it's not playing. And I swear, nine times out of ten, it's a, an issue with their computer. Because every, <laughs> yeah. because everybody else can download it fine. Everybody else can get it on iTunes through their to their phone perfectly. Everybody and this guy like oh at such and such uh, point it's I'm like no nah, it's not 
I downloaded it on my computer. I downloaded it on a friend's computer. I just had a person email saying, great episode, and nobody's mentioned anything about it, cutting out at this point. And a lot of people just don't want to... It's like, as soon as they email you, they think it's your problem now. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. unburdening themselves. And I'm like, I get it as well with... Uh, I used to get it with the podcast. I remember this guy. I can't even remember his name. But he was like one of these guys from Twitter. Like, I knew the Twitter name, but I didn't know who it was. And he would message me regularly and whatever. And I remember him saying one time, Oh, in this episode, you should do this. In that episode, you should do that. And I just emailed him back and says, No, this is my podcast. I did what I did, and I'll do what I want to do. If you want to do that, if you think you should do that, then please start your own podcast. I just said that to him. You should start your own podcast and then get the same people on and do the interview that you wanted to do. You know? Exactly. It's and like you yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, you ne- and again, never heard back, you know? And it's like... Well, it, and, uh, to be... I never respond to any of those unless it's a thank you. I make myself write thank you notes for a lot of them, right? And, uh... <laughs> and generally, most people... I have to say this. Most people write in are very kind. Uh, pe- people are very helpful. It's, you know what? I just want to say one thing. I'm getting a lot of emails recently where people are saying, "I feel like you're showing your true colors in the show now." I feel like I I see who you are, and I honestly think you're a bit nuts. You, you kind of scare me. And I always want to say, if you did not know I was nuts when you read my blog post when I was a kid, you you clearly weren't paying attention. Yeah, surely. I mean, I've known since I first spoke to you, you know. Like, <laughs> and and me as well. I mean, you've got to be. <laughs> it's well, second of all, well, I, I love it when these people, on one hand, will say, it's amazing what you've done with your life, given where you started from and where you're at now. And the second thing they'll do is they go, I hate the person that it took to get there. Do you think being an average person was going to get me here? Do you think I didn't have to develop that gear? Do you, do you think I was sleeping well all those nights? Do, do you think I wasn't thinking of the pain when I went 16, 18 hours? Do you think when I woke up at 6 a.m., I wasn't thinking of it? What, what, what person does it take to get out of that situation? Do you think that's going to be an average person? Do you think that person isn't going to be a little imbalanced? Average, average is a mortgage in debt and being 20 pounds overweight in an email inbox that doesn't get answered for five days. And it's being dissatisfied at your job and complaining that the boss won't give you a promotion. If I want to give myself a promotion, I had to make my own business. I had to do my own thing. And I had to develop a gear that is going to make, I'm strange, I know this, I'm strange, I'm crazy, but until, but that's fine, because average doesn't get you anything. And if I could tell anybody today anything, until people are telling you you're crazy, you're not effective. There, I heard some very intelligent person saying, the difference between passionate and obsessed is, when you're passionate, everybody cheers you on, when you're obsessed, everybody thinks you're crazy. And everybody's always thought I was crazy with my work ethic for the longest time, and that's the nicest compliment you could ever say to me. Because, yeah, I'm slow. But the great thing about being a human is our minds are malleable. They're malleable. Like, our, the, 
everything you look at was somebody's idea at some point. Everything, the desk I'm looking at right now, somebody had to design, the laptop, the house I'm in, everything you look at was somebody's idea. And you can change the world around you through repetition, and repetition is a slave to obsession. So you have to become obsessed or you're going to be average. And that's the last thing I want to say today because, like, you know, I get all these emails from you guys saying, I want to do what you do. I want to have what you have. And this is my honest-to-God answer. There's no, there's no shortcuts. It's all hard work. That's all it is. It's pushing through the pain when everybody else is quitting. Anybody can be great on their good days. Anybody can play well when they're running well. It's really hard to play well when you're running bad. That's really the mark of a champion. How can you push through? And a really interesting thing, I read a lot of biographies, sports biographies, media, uh, media personality biographies. Every single one of those people had something awful happen to them at some point or just some incredible amount of pain mm-hmm. happened to them and they rose from it. In fact, I couldn't find a successful person that did not have a serious setback. Interestingly enough, uh, a friend of mine, Nima Farzena, he wrote an article, he wrote a book uh, about, he, this was crazy, he, uh, he spent one week with the homeless, like living on the streets with them to interview them around Christmas time, just trying to see what it was they had to go through. And every single one of them, they inter- every single person he interviewed said the exact same thing. They came to a point in their life that caused them incredible pain, and they just bowed out. So if you are at that point where something caused you pain, you can either use that to propel you to success you couldn't dream of, possibly, or homelessness. The data proves that both are possible. It's your choice. All right, let's talk about this silly card game for a bit, yeah. Barry. Yeah. Okay, let, let's... Uh... And just before we do it, I want to say, I was about to say, let's be positive. But I think that is positive. I think that's really yeah, what we're saying. Mm-hmm. It's just done in a way that's truth. You look at truths, really, you know, and it's, um, if you do it, you do end up isolating people. And some people will resent you as well for going out and chasing your dreams and stuff as well, you know. And like, oh, yeah. best friends and stuff can think, easily... Think about this, those. Barry. Think, think about this. How many more people were uncomfortable with me talking about how much I love my life at the beginning of this what, this podcast versus seeing just two people going at it on Facebook? Which one is more normal to them? Yeah. yeah. Which one, it, it, when somebody says, I'm going for my dream, I believe this, and they start talking in a way that could possibly inspire someone, yeah. a lot of people are turned off by that. Yeah. That's a, that shows a lot about a person. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready to talk to you all about cards. Yeah. Let's do it. This question is from Marcus. Your recent chats about betting rivers more really got me thinking. Anytime the river is checked to us, should we simply be betting a hundred percent of the time? Thanks. That's actually. I love this question, Marcus. This is this is one of those questions that people say this is too. Simple, this is too, I, I, it, I think simple would just be the best word. I can't really come up with another way to put it. I love questions like this. If you want to get it right first, get it wrong. So start with an absolute and work back and see if that's wrong. So let's start with that, Marcus. So the question is, if it gets checked to us on the river, should we be betting 100% of the time? I think we all, I think Marcus knows this too. The answer is probably no. 
Uh, because, of course, there are situations. You have third pair, no kicker. You have some showdown value. You're not really going to be getting value from uh, worse if you bet. And you're probably not going to get second pair to fold if you bet on, a, on many occasions. So you just go ahead and check there. I think we all know that situation. We've been in that situation. We acknowledge that situation. That being said... What would happen if I put a gun to your head and said, every time it gets checked to you on the river, you must bet something? Do you think you would develop as a poker player? I think the answer is yes. I think you would develop greatly as a poker player. Is this a goal that you should be going after? Absolutely. I think this is a great experiment you should be going for when you play cards the next time. There's a... It's always amazing to me that if I, if you and I got into chess, Barry, and we've been playing chess for, let's say, five years, but just on the weekends with uh, a few people down at a club or something like that, or may, maybe in like a small shop down, down in the city, uh, we played a little online after work. We, uh, after work, we watched training videos on it. We're just getting our feet wet. Would we expect to play with a grandmaster and to have any chance? No. Absolutely not. But when people show up at a poker tournament, they really, every single person that walks into that <coughs> poker tournament believes they're going to win it. When chances are at any poker tournament in the world, there is somebody who has dedicated their life to that craft. There's a good chance there's 10 or 20 of those people. Mm-hmm. And in Vegas, there's going to be a 50, 100, 150. That is unbelievable arrogance to believe without extraordinary training methods you're going to win this tournament now what are extraordinary training methods first off is the devotion to doing real experiments for how much poker players talk about how much they like science they don't really understand how a real experiment works testing a hypothesis and you need metrics. If I do this play, it makes this much money. If I do that play, it makes that much money, according to Cardrunner's EV, according to my databases. Okay, I want to introduce this new play and see what it does to the metrics. Okay, how do we do this? Well, we have to create, we have to go out and play, and then we have to go out and measure it. So here's a new one. This is a great one that Marcus has just given it us. What if every single time we were checked to on the river, we were forced to bet? And literally the bet could be like 1x or something. We, we, we had to bet. We had to bet something. Would that raise our profitability uh, overall on the river? And would it raise our profitability with our one-pair combinations? Uh, you can filter out for this really easily in any database manager. Yes or no? I firmly believe I would put my entire net worth if, on it you would raise your profitability if you have any wherewithal on the po- in any, any form of poker know-how. Because the worst street everybody plays in No Limit Hold'em is the river, which is really, really exciting because you know what's the most expensive street by a factor of 5 or 10 compared to a lot of other streets? is the river. The river is the most expensive street, and people don't think about it. They just throw their money in. Imagine somebody who had a really good online business selling things and buying things uh, with eBay 
And then they they went into poker and they played small stakes poker and they grinded up just, you know, $20 here, $50 here, a little ROI to like 200000 And then they went out in 14 minutes, bought the first restaurant they could and studied nothing about being a restaurateur and uh, just left it to chance. Like that, that to me is what's happening in No Limit Hold'em because people do all this crazy work to try to show what a pre-flop badass they are. Picking up blind, picking up one big blind, two big blinds if they're lucky, right? And then on the river when it's like ten big blinds, twenty big blinds, ten big blinds is pocket aces, right? That is one of the most profitable situations you will have in the entire tournament, and you can just give it away by calling it off. You can just give it away. You can give away. You can give away your next aces and kings if you call a fifteen x and you don't think about it. And the entire field does this. Produce. I would love this experiment, Marcus. I don't think, obviously, you should do it all the time, but I think it's a great thing that all of our listeners can try to do to improve their poker game. And if they really want to take it further to do a true experiment, they should filter for how much money they're making with one pair type hands right now, and then after a few months of doing this experiment, or even just a few weeks, seeing how they're doing afterwards. I would bet the vast majority would see a profit increase. Thank you for that question, Marcus. Okay, uh, the next one is from Anonymous. And he, All right. sent, he sent a screenshot from Daniel Negrano, Twitter. And the question is, Hello, what are your thoughts on this hand? And can you go over some reasoning for the play? And also, if it was mathematically correct, please. This is not my strong point. Thanks. And the hand is... Let me just pull the screenshot because I saved it here. Um, Hi, Daniel. It's good to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Daniel Negrano posted Hand from Final Table just now. And this was on the 1st of December. Uh, I think it was in the high roll. Yeah, it was. It was in some high roller um, tournament. Uh, Fedor, so Fedor Holtz opens to 20k. Chidwick calls and Haxton makes it 108k. Okay, you're talking about some of the best poker players on earth. I'm just letting you... You're asking a guy from the MLS to analyze Champions League. What, 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 what is that league that where you get the champions of all the leagues in Europe? And uh, the you, Champions League. It's Champions League. Okay, just, just, I'm just letting you know, I play for the Portland Timbers, and you're asking me to analyze... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Chelsea, <laughs> who was in the is, last the yeah, Manchester the, United, sorry. Okay. The thing is with the Champions League, though, now, it's not just the champions. In England, the top four teams get into it. Um, in Scotland, the top only one team gets in because we lost the Champions League place because our national team's so shit. Um, so oh, we, no. our, our league lost that. And then Italy, I think, get three or maybe four as well now. Spain get for so it's not just the champions so you can squeeze in Alex um, okay I'll, I'll, I'll squeeze in as a yeah. third alternate all right I'm happy to be here here's um, your water Ronaldo yeah all right now, now uh, okay okay so start the hand again 5k 10k yeah I'm assuming because Fedor opens to 20k so we'll assume okay. that's the min raise it doesn't have any of the the blanks so we will say it's 5 Thank you. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chidwick calls and Haxton makes it 108k. Fedor goes all in for 400k with kings. Haxton mm-hmm. calls with jack ten of diamonds. Flop ace king five three diamonds no pair 
no board pair for Fedor, and he's gone. <laughs> well now, <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> what? So, people talking about poker skill, work, these guys have dedicated Ooh. their life, um, and... Uh, Haxton on the face of it is called well if Haxton makes 108k uh, so it's what is it it's 390 uh, no 292 more to call which is like what if the blinds are like 30 big blinds if we're yeah uh, right. okay okay hold so, on let me gather my thoughts because this is <laughs> okay just so you know last time I checked Isaac is a far better poker player than all of us humans. Uh, Steven, I think might be, everybody knows he's really good and he still might be criminally underrated. Just anytime I've listened to anything he says or analyzed any hand he's been in, it's been incredible. Uh, Fedor, of course, is Fedor. Fedor obviously does nothing wrong here. Isaac Haxton, now let's say, okay, so the squeeze I think the squeeze is an underused play. Uh, I think the vast majority of the time, people here do just call when they really should four better fold. And he has a great hand that you can check jam a lot of the time. The stacks are great in that if somebody does flat you, you bet much on the flop if threaten all of Fedor's stack. Now the question is, is Fedor going to make a play that the vast majority of the field is making that's, in my mind, largely incorrect? Um, I'm doing a free webinar coming up, and sign up for my newsletter, PokerHeadRush.com, if you want to get a heads up on that. But I, I went through some databases, and I just looked at all these databases when people called three bets versus when they uh, three bet themselves, even with garbage, or when they raised very large amounts as opposed to called three bets and stuff. And flatting three bets, just it doesn't make a lot of money for a lot of people, especially from these short stacks, and most people are losing with it. And since everybody just raises and calls three bets, that's something I really, I know myself, I, I like to use to get a lot of value from people. And I, I, I could see how uh, Mr. Haxton here might, have developed that play. The question is, is Fedor doing that? Perhaps I wasn't there. Perhaps Fedor was playing a little loose aggressive as he's prone to do. And maybe just a little bit on edging on passivity that day. So he felt he could get value out of Jack 10 of diamonds. And then if Fedor just said F it and jammed as he's prone to do, you have enough equity that being said, unless you're trying to, and this is where high stakes poker gets very difficult to analyze, is you can't just flat jack 10 of diamonds 100% of the time there if you're playing with players of this caliber. There does need to be a 10-20% of the three betting three bet there. And then when you do that, you are going to have to uh, call, I guess, Fedor because he he does jam quite wide. Now, 
the question is, do you really want to keep that frequency up when Fedor is seems uniquely qualified to play against this? Uh, that's that's a question I can't answer. Uh, th- that's that that's a really good question. I, I I don't know how many people could answer that. Uh, does the play check out? I have no idea. I think I've just given you all all my thoughts. If this were me, I would be calling and I would be donk leading a lot of boards. Let's say so. If he calls there, there's sixty five k in the pot. A lot of times, you can just lead for 90K on the flop, and you can do it with a mixture of top pair, sets, and air. And I've, I've done the metrics. I, I've made people play very well versus that, and they still... Because what happens is if someone leads for more than pot, the average guy is just folding second pair, People just think it's weird and they fold. Now, I don't know if these guys would do it. Uh, that's actually, these guys might not do do it, but if you've ever led with a top pair lately and they're a little weirded out by that, I think you earn more folds than you deserve. And again, it's always fine to just call their calling turns a profit. And it's very low variance. Sometimes Occam's razor, it, it is, is true. It, it, it's a call there turns a profit. A three bet there probably turns a slightly greater profit, uh, but increases your variance quite a bit. And I think if this is a, I assume this is a high roller or something, I, I yeah. imagine a min cash is very, very important when you're playing these 25 person tournaments. So, I've given you all my thoughts on this issue. I honestly think this is... I... I... I think this is... a little... I I can't give you as good of an answer as I'd like to. And I'm not sure who could. Uh, Thank you for the question, though. It was a very fun exercise. Okay. Um, do you have time for one more question, Alex, or do you want to wrap up? I um, always do a, for these wonderful people. Let's do it. Okay. Last one is from Tim. Hello. In life cash games, is it better to sometimes throw exact maths out the window when calling three bets or four bets with connectors and sets? In this sense that there is equity in getting them on tilt and chasing and playing worse with more money that they buy back in with again. Or if we aren't getting 8 to 1 set mining type odds, do we fold the small pairs? I play in these 200 NL games where it can go open for $8, 3 calls, someone makes it $35 and then everyone still calls. It's hard to find a fold ever in these situations and it becomes like Kino. What's the best way to approach and win in these games? Thanks. Well, it's hard for you to fold because to you, the worst thing that could possibly happen is you flop a set and you didn't have it. Uh, there's, I have quite a few ideas on this topic. I'll tell you what works for a lot of players. And I just want you to know, many times when I suggest something on this show, I don't give a caveat because... In almost all of the fields I analyze, it works, and it works for my students. 
a lot of these plays I'm about to suggest will work in 70% of card rooms and in 30% they won't. Um, there is a strategy where if it just gets three bet a lot behind you by just whatever a person feels like, uh, a lot of times you can keep it really cheap by just min raising. So a guy makes it eight and you just make it 14 and then everybody's so weirded out. They just go ahead and call you. And then if you do that a few times, you might, the next time you do it, do it with aces and somebody hopefully will just make it 75 behind you. Cause they're so, they've seen you do that and check fold a few boards. Right. Uh, and sometimes you'll just get heads up with that three bet size and you can just see that and take the pot. Um, that's a very, that's a play I really rarely bring out though. Uh, that being said, uh, is there something to be said for calling and putting the guy on tilt? You know, I just never really buy that explanation. I think that's a very... I don't know what the word would be. It's a very... It's a very uh, I'm very suspicious you just want to gamble. Is is what I want to say. I, I feel like you just you came there to play cards, which is fine. But going there to play cards and going there to make money is very different. And if you want to make money, does ninety five percent of poker players do not make money when they play? That's according to Poker Stars. If you want to be part of that five percent, you're going to have to do things that nobody else is doing because what everybody else is doing is not working. So if everybody else is calling there and then calling the three bet, just so you know, there's a very high likelihood that's why they're losing. Because remember, most people are losing players. Now, should you call there? A lot of times people say, well, it goes 35 and yeah, okay, closing the action. I could see maybe a call there. But just so you know, you're going to get set over set, a lot, set under set much more often than you realize. And many times when I see people call there and they don't close the action and then somebody jams in the last spot because they go, I have ace queen suited and I think I have enough equity to take this down. If I can get this heads up with one person too, it's not that bad. I always want to scream at the person that flatted with two. It's like, what do you think was going to happen? They, they, always, they came there to gamble. You gave them... You put $105 in front of them and gave them a great chance to just keep that money on the side while they got heads up with someone with a high equity hand. Uh, can you call the eight? Yes. Should you call the 35? Probably not. Not unless you're closing the action. You know, everybody's just super loose. You want them to be tilted. They're playing live one, two. How much worse could they get? Most, <laughs> most live one, two players are not. The great thing about poker is it's a very fun game. People play it recreationally. You, this isn't Teddy KGB that you're gonna get. You're gonna take from a nine to a two if you piss him off. If you piss this guy off, he's gonna go from a five to a four. Even if he goes from a five to a two, if he's on your left, how are you gonna get the money from him? All the money comes from the right in no limit hold'em. So if the guy's to your left and you think, I'm going to piss this guy off and get him on tilt, yeah, he might go from a five to a two, but he's going to give money to whoever's the two to the left of him. He's going to piss it away in some blind versus blind war or on the button when that guy's in the big blind. He's not going to open 
in early position still. He might open a little bit wider, but he's still not going to be pissing away as much money as you'd like him to. So generally my rule with three bets is if it's between 2 to 2.5x, I need a damn good reason to fold. Because a lot of times I've tried to prove it's a bad idea to fold there. And, I mean, it's a bad idea to call there. And I'm not really good at doing it. I would really love it for poker to be that simple, but it's not. Uh, now, when it becomes 2.5x to 3x, and I'm, even if I'm closing the action, especially if I'm not closing the action, I need a really good reason to call. And many times, in, many times, if you look at the metrics and you look at your call versus 3-bet, uh, what you're trying to do is save a couple big blinds. You 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 raise to 2.5x or 4, and you are saving 1.5x. That's actually pretty good. You're still losing money. Most of your money in No Limit Hold'em will come from 8s, 9s, 10s, jacks, queens, kings, aces, ace-king, ace-queen. If you want to expand beyond that, the way to do that is to play in position, to play position, bigger pot, superior hands, heads up. Every metric confirms this. If you get heads up as the raiser, you're making money. It's much less important what your hand is. You can go down to the weaker pairs, the suited gappers. And if you're three-betting in position uh, versus players that open a little too much, it matters less about what your hand is. The smaller pairs, the suited gappers, all of that is going to make more money. That is where 85 95% of your money is going to come from. If there are certain pitfalls when you play poker that I think when you're beginning are just best to avoid. Uh, should you do, if, you, if you're playing tennis, should you, should you in a long match, should you do a diving hit, uh, a di you just dive for the ball, right? and you're not really sure if it's going to go out, or bound, out of bounds or not, well, you should do that once you're very advanced and you trust your instincts. But nine times out of ten, when you're just developing, you're just going to bang yourself up. There was a chance the ball was going to go out, and you probably weren't going to get it back over the net in a way that would win you the, uh, the point anyway, right? So... You, you kind of accept that you have to let this go. When you're winning a war or a battle, you're going to have to give up many miniature skirmishes that, yeah, you could possibly win, but it's going to take a great deal of your resources. When you show up and play poker, you have a finite amount of mental energy. You can develop more of that mental energy by working out, by changing your diet, but it is finite. You will, at some point, feel fried just the way you feel at the end of a long workday. That exists. Now, to me, I think you can conserve your energy and try to multiply your profits within that space where you're already making 85 to 95% of your profits of being in position, keeping the lead, position bigger pot, superior hands, heads up. Or I think you can chase and gamble and start pissing yourself off, right? Um you call 35, you lose. You call 35, you lose. You call 35, you lose. 
there you go. You're out one of five. That's half a buy-in. You're going to miss uh, more than 80. It's 80-something percent of the time, 85% of the time, right? means 85%. You just, you just gave away half a stack. And, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely possible you could have made money from that, but you're not at that point yet. You should be focusing on increasing your profits with certain hands that are always bang up making money before you start chasing these scraps, right? The, you should get the meat of the matter before you go after the scraps. You're not really going after the meat of the matter yet. I bet you, dollars to donuts, this guy does not three-bet enough in position. I would bet Because these games, when people are like that, it is incredible to three-bet in position, get a heads-up with one person, and just try to take it off of them post-flop. You know why no one wants to play that way? It's because you lose money much faster when it goes wrong, uh, as opposed to just piddling around, calling three-bets out of position, reloading once an hour. No, you, you can embarrass yourself at the card room. Three-bet doesn't work out. Three-bet doesn't work out. Rebuy, rebuy doesn't work out. That'll be embarrassing, but it also, analytically speaking, is the best way to make more money. It is the way to do so. Again, if you want to not be part of the 95% of people who are losing money in poker, you are going to have to play in a way that many people are going to find off-putting. If you are playing like everybody else, the vast majority of the time, you are not making money. That's just a fact. This, to me, sounds like the play of every 1-2 grinder. I just don't want to, I don't want to fold to this 3-bet. And if you never fold to that 3-bet, think about that. Or if, when you do it, you really watch the board. I cannot tell you how many sets I could have flopped at my last World Poker Tour event. I can't tell you because I don't look at the board after I fold. I don't care. It's so engraved in me. I've done it for so long. If you're still at that point, you're looking at the board, that means you don't fold enough. That means you don't trust your play enough to not look at the board or to look at the board and go, oh, that's funny. I can't tell you how many times I would have flopped quads, and I, I can't remember two minutes later. I just, I, I, you have to be beyond that. You have to trust the process. If you do not trust your game, if your game is not backed by analytics, if your game is not backed by analyses, by equity calculators, you're doing something. I don't, I'm the most insecure guy you can imagine when it comes to poker. The reason I did all this work is because I used to fold there and I go, damn it! You know, it's, I would have flopped this set. God, I bet somebody calls there and they're right. Maybe that is a call. So I had to go home and I had to figure it out. And what I found out was, you know, you have all this data you just, you never prove it's a great play, and a lot of times it's a bad play. It's like a really bad play. But you can almost always prove a three bet versus an opponent who's not going to four bet. You can almost always prove that shows a profit. So what I started doing is I started every time I was in that position, I executed. It didn't matter if I was scared. It didn't matter if I didn't feel like it. I just executed. And it got me looking like a madman again. But it started developing. It started going well. It started doing right by me. I think, I think you're playing scared when you play like everybody else because then you know you won't get criticized. And then if nobody else is criticizing you, you feel 
you don't deserve criticism. You don't need to criticize yourself. You need to listen to yourself, not other people, and you should be criticizing you. The fact you sent in this, you took the time to send in this message shows you care, shows you're beyond those people, shows you're capable of playing Dynamite No Limit Hold'em. Just hold on to that and try to focus on the things I just talked about in your 1-2 No Limit game. Three bet in position, position bigger pot, superior hands, heads up. Okay. And just to turn it back again, I like what you said, you know, about the little skirmishes, some you need to let go and stuff. We'll call this episode uh, pick, Picking Your Battles, because that goes back to the social media stuff Ooh. and people emailing, and sometimes you got to just let things go, and even let people think that they've won in quote marks, you know, in their head, and just go on. It's the long game. This is it's a marathon, not a sprint, you know, it's like... Um, so we'll call it picking your battles Alex thanks very much for putting in the extra time today That's we did our good big anti-social media rant at the start and <laughs> uh, stuff um, but we still got three great questions answered as well um, so plenty of content for everyone there how can people get in touch with you for webinars, upcoming product launches and your newsletter etc if you guys want to check out a free training video I'm going to make Barry post it uh, underneath this uh, podcast right when we're done. It's called Master Poker Out of Position Punch-Out. It's a really fun 20-minute uh, video. We discuss how to use Flopzilla. Uh, there's a three-part questionnaire uh, just discussing what you do in different parts. And uh, just a firm uh, discussion of how to play out of position. Just something to start, something as a little warm-up before you play to get your mind jogged. And uh, I think you guys would enjoy it. Be sure to check it out. And uh, I don't know why. I'm really proud of my 8-bit art. <laughs> I was doing artwork for it, like just playing around with it in Google Images. Uh, not Google Images. I had to buy the image. But, yeah, check that out. Uh, and uh, sign up for my newsletter if you want to get uh, – every week I put out a free podcast, a free article, so f lately free training videos, uh, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, if you want to get more free content than I'm pretty sure any other content creator is putting out in poker, sign up for my newsletter. You can go to PokerHeadRush.com. There's a little sign-up uh, thing in the corner. And just put your email address there and confirm you'll be good to go. And if you want to check out PokerHeadRush.com, that's kind of my fun blog. Uh, there you can see all the blog posts, trip reports, uh, and things like that. I'm doing videos on Tournament Poker Edge. I'm about to turn the faucet on there and do a ton of them. And that's when we really get to go long form, get into the hands, really discuss poker. Whereas my videos have to be bang, 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 because that's, uh, that's what my customers there want. Tournament Poker Edge is when you want to get more nuanced, want to get deeper into the issues. I love the work I'm doing there. Be sure to check that out. And, uh, yeah, guys, it's been uh, it's really been good talking to you all. Um, check me out on Twitter at the Assassinato, and I can't feel like there's something else, but nah, that's it. That's about it. Oh yeah, check there it is. There it is. Uh, check out my weekly column at America's Cardroom blog. Look out for that. Okay, okay, Alex. Thanks again for joining us. Keep your questions coming in for Alex. Questions at oneouter.com for next week's show and we will get them answered on a episode in the not too distant future alex thanks again and we will see you next week cheers cheers 
the Sunday Major is back to the USA. America's Card Room is kicking off 2018 with a Texas Hold'em-sized bang that could change your life. Beginning January 7th, America's Card Room is hosting the biggest Sunday major on the planet with $1,001,000 on the table every week. Yes, $1,001,000 guaranteed. Forget about just one time to change your life. The $1,001,000 guaranteed tournament is happening weekly, all for just $265 a pop. For all the info, check out americascardroom.eu.